Traumatic brain injury recovery is a process rather difficult to put into words. Words seem so inadequate, so flimsy, in comparison to the intensity and complexity of the experience. It can feel incredibly isolating, an existence that is bewildering both to the person going through it and to anyone you try to explain it to. While I kind of hate social media, and I also appreciate it at the same time, and sometimes I'd rather be private about what I'm going through, I also know that I have a platform that I can help spread awareness to others, and maybe, just maybe, I could help someone else feel less alone. Welcome to the Reach New Heights podcast, where we dive deep into all things self-healing, transformation, and building dreams. I'm Julie Householder, and it is my passion to share powerful tools to empower you to transform your life and reach new heights. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Reach New Heights podcast. This week, I'm sharing my journey and update with my traumatic brain injury that I initially spoke about in episode 20, which is called Why I Have Been MIA, My Head Injury, and a Couple Things I've Learned. Today, I'm sharing what my traumatic brain injury experience was initially like and an update on where I am now, general information about TBIs and their prevalence, how I began to find radical acceptance for my situation, questions, quotes, takeaways, and concepts that have been really helpful for me in my healing process. Before we hop into this content, this is an open invitation to take some deep breaths with me. I also feel like I (laughs) need to take some deep breaths because this story is vulnerable and part of me is a little nervous, so always embracing that vulnerability. So I invite you now to draw some full deep breaths in through your nose and exhale. Again, you're welcome to take some deep breaths in and out and another full deep breath in and exhale. In July 2020, I sustained a traumatic brain injury, also commonly referred to as a TBI. A TBI happens when a sudden trauma, like a jolt or blow to the head, causes damage to the brain. The severity varies, and no two head injuries, the resulting symptoms, or long-term issues are alike. The healing process is also different for every brain. While I've heard the word concussion before, and about sports accidents, that's kind of like the most we hear about concussions. I had no really previous knowledge as to what the healing process entailed, how prevalent they are, or really like what a, what a TBI actually is. According to the Brain Trauma Foundation, TBI is the leading cause of disability and death in children and adults ranging from 1 to 44. Each year, about 2.5 million individuals have TBIs, with 50,000 resulting in death and 80,000 resulting in permanent disability. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, states that the leading causes of TBI are falls, motor vehicle crashes, being hit by or colliding with an object, assaults, and others. The brain is both fascinating and a very mysterious organ. While we know so much about the brain, we have so much we do not understand. 
Your brain exists inside of a hard skull. It has fluid and membranes, which are layers of tissues that cover, connect, and separate the surface of different regions, structures, and organs within your body. And the fluid and the membranes protect your brain. But even with all this protection, TBIs can damage the brain and affect everything you do from thinking, walking, moving, as well as so many different processes in your body. A blow to your head can shake your brain and your skull that can create bruises, nerve damage, or bleeding. Whether it's a sports accident, car accident, or fall, regardless of how it happened, it can lead to a concussion, considered a mild brain injury, that can create lasting damage. Hitting your head on the back, which is where I hit mine, is often referred to as the worst part of the head to hit. Uh, the back of the head is much more delicate and has less protection than in the front of your head. Uh, the back of your head has your brainstem, spinal column, and reticular activating system. So the brainstem is kind of like a stalk-like part of the brain that connects your brain to your spinal cord, which is a column of nerve tissues that runs down your spine and it's part of your central nervous system. Your brain stem sends messages between your brain and the other parts of your body and helps you control your balance, reflexes, coordination, as well as blood pressure, breathing, facial sensations, hearing, heart rhythms, eye movements, swallowing, and other body functions. It contains 10 of the 12 cranial nerves that start in your brain that control facial movements, sensations, taste, and more. It regulates your automatic body functions like breathing or swallowing. And the brainstem, you know, it contains the, the reticular activating system, which is called RAS, and it's a really cool network of neurons or cells in your brain that carry these electrical signals and chemicals throughout your brain, and it re regulates your arousal, sleep-wake transitions, and it's about two inches, and it's where all of your senses come in, except for smell, and it supports the functioning of attention, sensation, a lot of people in the personal development industry make a lot of references to RAS because it helps us find what we're looking for and it filters out unnecessary information. So it alarms the other parts of the brain when important news arise and filters out unnecessary incoming messages. It helps with learning. It helps for us to learn new words. It enables us to ignore the sound of talking, for, for instance, like say you're in a room and there's a lot of like background talking. But then all of a sudden you snap to attention if someone says your name. This system knows what you're focusing on and it creates a filter for it. So it goes through all of the sensory information, all the data information that you receive through your senses, and it only presents information to you sometimes with what is important to you. So for example, say you really want to get a certain car and you know exactly the color and you're like researching it. And then all of a sudden, when you're driving on the road, you literally see that car everywhere you go. It also looks for information that kind of confirms our beliefs through different parameters that our beliefs give it. So if you've been thinking you're bad at something, you're more likely to perform badly at that task. It also looks for information that confirms our beliefs. So for example, how people will see information that confirms their political beliefs that they carry or they unconsciously disregard other information that doesn't support their belief system. This system in the brain is talked about, again, a lot with the personal development industry because we can use it to achieve our goals. So if you 
where your your focus goes, your energy flows, right? If you focus on your goals, the reticular activating system is going to show you all of the information, the opportunities and alignment with those goals. So initially after my head injury, I lost the ability to move the left side of my body for a few days. The most major part of it was the eight hours after where I literally could not move anything. My hit was mostly on the back right side of my head as well as the center of the back of my head, which makes a lot of sense as to why my left side had issues and still occasionally still has issues. The right side of the brain is what helps the left side physically function and vice versa. So in the hospital, I remember I was looking at my leg and I was trying to move it. You know, I was telling it to move. I was like, move, 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 come on, move. And nothing was happening. And it was like a very, very interesting, strange feeling to feel, which was nothing, feeling nothing and trying to make something move. And I was actually like my right side of my body. I kept on moving like my hand and my foot. Like I was like moving my foot back and forth and I kept on moving my hand because like I was afraid of losing the right side. And so I was like moving the right side and then the left side was totally unresponsive. But in the hospital, I remember just feeling my cognition being immediately impacted and facing a whole slew of these cognitive issues in my healing process. And I was really shocked, but I knew that whatever came, I would get through it and that other people have gone through something similar and that God would lead me through whatever the outcome. And thankfully I regained my physical mobility for the most part within the first month after the TBI. And I think for many who have overcome trauma, especially from childhood, we can develop a sort of ego resiliency that presents in our mind as self-made strength. It becomes our war cry in the face of challenges. We try to sculpt ourselves as this force of nature bursting past internal and external triggers and struggles. It becomes automatically ingrained in our unconscious mind. A survival switch that we've had since our childhood, we contain this reservoir of self-made strength. At least this is how it felt for me, and I didn't realize it until this TBI. We all have things that we frequently anchor ourselves with. Our environments, bodies, patterns, activities, hobbies, people in our life, our job, ways to distract ourselves from pain. We often unconsciously grip onto what can be seen, what is tangible to stabilize us. This health experience stripped me from all my perceived self-made strength, I felt like I had no strength left in my spirit. Not one molecule, nothing. It was gone. It was, I just felt completely stripped and just left bare, vulnerable. Mentally, it was like falling down a hole in Alice in Wonderland. Nothing inside my own mind seemed familiar. All of the things that I used to use externally to stabilize myself crumbled. Nothing was stable. It's like I was crawling up this hole and there was nothing to hold on. So I was just falling and falling and falling. I distinctly remember this day I was laying down, looking up at the ceiling, and it, I had this visualization of this Alice in Wonderland hole and seeing at the top this light. And I just had this immediate recognition that the only thing in my life that could stabilize me was my faith and my connection to God. As someone who studies psychology and is really interested in the brain, my understanding of how different parts of the brain function or 
don't function properly as a result of impact. And my desire to protect my brain increased tenfold. For months, I couldn't feel emotions except for irritation and anger. I knew the other emotions were there. I recognized their presence, but I couldn't feel them, which is really difficult to explain. I didn't feel connected to myself and struggled to feel connected to others. And I used to be a very hypersensitive person. So I felt other people's vibes, so to speak, very strongly. I felt the world through energy. I could often see people walk into a room and I could feel their emotions. And when I did biofield healing immersion, energy healing sessions, while working on people, I could feel where the pain was in their body with my hands. And I could feel energy and objects, spaces, natural environments. And after the head injury, it was like complete silence. Silence in my mind, silence energetically. A mind that used to be so very busy and fast thinking. It was just completely silent. Thoughts that came were slow moving. And they kind of drifted across this vast landscape of my mind. It felt disorienting. And like I was perpetually zoned out. I felt confused. I remember I would walk. I was in a grocery store and I just like for a moment had no idea. Like I felt like I had no idea where I was or where I needed to be or like what I was looking for. And I often felt like I was just alone floating in this space of nothingness. Another thing that I experienced was that I could no longer feel my personality. And it was as if my personality died. And what was left was a very logical, mechanical foundation of my mind and mechanical ways of thinking. My memory was affected, so I would go through the entire day. And if someone asked me what my day was like, I had zero memory of it. Or if I was, say I made tea, and this actually became an issue, which is why I got one of those like tea makers that you plug in and you press a button and it heats up water because I would make tea on the stove and I'd go and I'd make tea and I would leave and I had no memory of starting the stove. I had no memory that I was making tea or that whole memory of the process of doing it. Like I, and I would walk away and I would like smell something and I was like, oh, what's that smell? And it was like all of the water had boiled out in my like tea pot and was now like smoking. So that's, that's why I got the other one because I just, my memory just was not the same. And it still isn't. I mean, I've gotten a lot better now, but it's like my ability to retain information. And it still happens to me a lot where I try to remember my day and I just literally can't. And that's six months, about six months after. And that's why I love in general, I love to take photos and journal, but I especially do it now because I want to remember life and I want to remember things. And, you know, of course, there's that fear of like, not being able to remember and like the pain that comes with that. A lot of my sensory issues increase tenfold. So I hear sounds very loudly now, but especially right after when I was having these daily migraines and a lot of pain that at the time we didn't really understand where that was coming from. But I heard sounds that were super loud and like background sounds in particular become more amplified than the voices of people that I'm directly talking to. So even if someone is right in front of me, and there's a lot of other people in the room talking, I can't hear what they're saying. It's like I have this jumbled 
like I hear the sounds, but like my brain doesn't process them in a way that I can understand. It's just like an orchestra out of tune. My head and my shoulders and everything physically from the impact, I mean, that was really painful for, you know, three weeks. Um, but if I try to engage my brain in anything like writing or reading, all of my symptoms would get worse. Feeling fatigued and disoriented, I would struggle with that for hours after if I tried to engage my brain in any thinking. Or if I ever felt like a semi-flash of emotion, like my, it's like my brain started throbbing inside of my head. And even the sound of washing dishes or like the sound of my refrigerator humming caused me pain. And even now, my refrigerator hums so loudly. And thankfully, for those of you who follow me on Instagram, I talked about those loop earbuds that are actually produced in Belgium and it helps reduce sounds, but you can still hear people talking. So that has been a huge game changer for me with my injury. Uh, but after head injuries, many people have to avoid also looking at screens for quite some time. So your girl <laughs> really got into crocheting and trying my best with crocheting because a lot of my hand mobility also went out and still does where I have periods of time where my hands get numb and they're just like not functioning well and I can't really engage in certain fine motor skills like for example like opening the door with a key or trying to open a container or like buttering toast like sometimes I'll like go up to my boyfriend I'm like can you butter my toast because like my hands went out uh, but it's amazing when you can't look at screens how you begin to realize how much time we all collectively spend on screens and I was like what the heck did we all do before screens and before technology. While I could walk for a couple months, my hip and parts of my legs would go numb and like my hip was still numb because my left leg functioned differently than my right leg. I would have like a ton of tingling. So it was like very interesting. But thankfully since then, through the grace of God and the human body's ability to heal itself, my emotions, although not on the level of what they used to be, came back. My cognition improved and parts of my personality began to it began to return in pieces and it's so hard to explain because it's like there are no words to like explain this uh, but literally pieces of my personality began to return so why am i speaking about this and why does this matter to you hopefully this episode can give some insight and again this is like tip of the iceberg of what the last six months have been a very brief synopsis of what this has been for me um, but I hope to you know give a little bit of teaching about the importance of protecting your brain <laughs> protect your brain seriously I remember as a kid people be like oh helmets are so uncool but like seriously like wear a helmet you know what I mean like damage to the brain is just detrimental and it the brain does literally everything so it's just like protect your brain <laughs> and then for me now it's like I'm very risk adverse much more than I was before. Anyways, hopefully this insight from this episode can share a little bit about TBIs for anyone who knows somebody with a TBI. I was very lucky, many are not, and maybe you've not necessarily gone through this, but I know as humans we all go through trials in life where words don't seem to encapsulate what it feels like to live in a strange, unfamiliar reality. And I think with any health event, life change, even the positive life changes. In current events that we're navigating, it can bring up a lot of grief packed with a powerful bag of complex 
emotions or in my case for a while lack of complex emotions but they came back you know what i'm saying uh but but it's grief for who we used to be grief for lost dreams and timelines we had for our lives anger at the situation and resistance towards what is happening anger about the plans and timelines we had that were just ripped away in moments Uh, something that many of us have felt during the pandemic as well as in our personal lives having this fear of uncertainty, fear for what the future might hold and not knowing the long-term implications of the experiences that we're going through. On top of that, while navigating our emotional plane of inner turmoil, we simultaneously are challenged to learn how to hold space for those around us who are also going through their own emotions, their own perceptual lens of what's happening to you or what's happening in their life, right? And so we have to hold space for them as they grieve feel their emotions and accept what you're going through. And it can be a draining process of trying to help others co-regulate their nervous systems from your own dysregulated state while simultaneously trying to grip and hold on to hope for the future. I worked through so much resistance to have this kind of experience of radical acceptance of what I was facing because I realized the resistance to the circumstances was causing me more pain. And it just reached this point where I saw no other option than accepting where I was moment by moment, taking it moment by moment, day by day, and just fully surrendering to God. Because I had no, the the strength that I had in my mind and the strength that I had in my brain and my body was limited. And spending it on resisting what was, was just counterproductive and would just make my brain hurt, right? So it pains me that no one really understood what I was going through. Maybe you can think of a time where you felt that no one understood what you were going through. And I recognized in this process, one day I was like, oh my gosh, people never really fully understand anything we're going through in life. I mean, even our joys, our celebrations, any emotion or perception that we have can never fully under you know fully be understood by others and what it means to live in each other's minds and bodies i mean we can have empathy and resonate with each other's experiences if we've had something similar but we can't truly know in this entirety what anyone's experience is ever and this helped me a lot as well as the fact that i knew that the only force that could really understand me and that i knew i had a force that understood me is god and through prayer and really connecting with these beliefs of mine, I was able to find a lot of rest and solace in that and acceptance in what was. Spirituality has been a key element for me these past six months. It's my source of strength when my spirit had no strength left in it. And some days I feel like I don't have strength left in my spirit. It's a safe place to express my emotions and just come as I am and know that I'm loved on a cosmic level that surpasses all human understanding. Through this healing journey, I know I'm different. My brain and memory function differently. Some of my loved ones have noted that my personality is different and maybe an experience that you have gone through or you are going through right now makes you feel like a different person than you used to be. I really struggled for some time coming to terms emotionally with this And what helped me find more grounding and and peace in this experience was recognizing that 
we're always changing over the course of our lifetime. We're not the same people we were 5, 10, 15 years ago, and there's plenty of life experiences that are going to shape and change us. Like if an individual has children or moves to a new place, gets a new job, has a breakup, health events, the passing of a loved one, or in general, how we change as we age throughout our lifespan. I have quickly and forcefully learned to ask for help and surrender my hyper-independence that developed from early childhood trauma as a coping mechanism, uh, but I, I always had these patterns of hyper-independence and I had to surrender them because I needed help and often need help to do certain tasks. And to hold on to the people who can grow with you and love you throughout all of your changes in life. And I think when you go through something major, whether it's a health event or you're going through a hard time, it becomes really clear who your true friends are, who your true people are, who's in your corner, who can grow with you, who can change with you. That becomes very clear. So where I am now, I am just a human living moment by moment, unsure of what is to come and doing my damn best to embrace uncertainty because that truly is what life is. We often try and our egos try to make us believe that things can be certain and things can be in our control, but ultimately no one really truly knows what they're doing and everything is uncertain. Nothing is guaranteed. I try to accept what is and I hope for the future without holding expectations too tightly, trusting my body that it knows what it's doing and doing anything I can to support my body as it heals itself into a new normal, whatever that looks like. Thankfully, they have, through testing, found out some other conditions that I've developed from this. We thought it was just migraines every day, but it turns out that I'm also having complex partial seizures, and that's a very common... I mean, I don't know how common it is. I didn't look up the stats on that specifically, but I did read some research that talked about how it is an experience that many people with TBIs have post-TBI and in their, their healing process that that condition can occur. And so that has been, that has been a whole process um, in it of itself and embracing what that means and I don't have a ton of information. I mean, I've read it, but I don't remember. Um, but I, the type of seizure that I have, basically, it's like 30 seconds to max two minutes. But mine personally are like under a minute. And basically, it looks like I'm zoning out for a second. And most people can't even tell that I'm having one. And it impacts once you have one. I mean, I get like massive fatigue afterwards, um, disorientation, a lot of different cognitive symptoms that happen as well as like physically feeling off or like again like the hand and leg and foot experiences um that I have with coordination issues fine motor skills all of that and it's also made me hypersensitive to sound like I was saying and potentially having some auditory processing disorders coming up this experience has definitely made me more understanding of people who wear sunglasses inside because I've been around like you know when you're grocery shopping and you see some people with sunglasses and you're like oh I wonder why they're wearing sunglasses I mean one option it could be they have prescription sunglasses and they don't have their normal glasses but also a lot of people have 
migraines and head-related things that are triggered by lights, sounds, smells, all those sensory experiences. Like, for example, like when I go into a store or if I go into a mall, all of like the bright lights will trigger migraines and there's different things that can trigger seizures for me. So that's been a process to learn. But thankfully, my neurologist has helped me find a medication, thank God, that is helping me with those seizures and helping balance my brain out because a lot of people have medication resistant seizures and thankfully it looks so far. I mean, we'll find out more with my next EEG, but right now it looks like this medication is working beautifully. So anyways, to wrap this episode up, I'd love to share some questions I challenge myself with when I'm having those really bad days because I still have them. Thankfully, I'm having more good days and bad days. Uh, But when I'm feeling really down, and two quotes that I have been reminding myself for the past six months, and some of these questions are, what are the blessings in my life today? Sometimes it's a really simple answer, like the sunlight, having access to water, Um, And another one that's kind of on that one is where is the beauty around me? Maybe it's the sound of birdsong. It's seeing people I love, um, access to my basic needs, my dog's silliness, the ability to come to God as I am in all my messiness and know that I'm divinely loved. Another question is how has this experience grown me as a person? What have I learned? What am I proud of myself for? I think a lot of us don't ask ourselves this question enough and really celebrate our resiliency and really tune into, you know, what am I proud of myself for? How can I use this experience in the future to be more understanding and compassionate towards others? And the last question, is there a way that I can use what I've gone through to help others in some way? The two quotes that I love, number one, You are currently living at least one of the prayers you used to pray. And number two, one day you will tell your story of how you overcame what you went through and it will be someone else's survival guide. I am thinking and praying for you all. I know the past couple of years globally have been so tough for all of us on top of the personal challenges in our in our lives. And I'm sending you so much love and light and well wishes. Thank you for listening, for sharing your time and energy here with me. And I'll catch you here next time on the Reach New Heights podcast. From my heart to yours, thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as I love creating it. As always, you can connect with me on Instagram at J-U-L-Householder or my website, juliehouseholder.com. I love hearing how you've integrated these episodes into your life. And if you feel called, please leave a review on iTunes so we can help others reach new heights.